Welcome to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Your host, Leonard Birdsong, is a law professor, a former diplomat, and a former federal prosecutor who's here to inform and entertain you with a mix of humor, opinion, and information. Now, here's Leonard Birdsong. Hello world, this is Leonard Birdsong on Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. So happy to be back here with you. I'm broadcasting from the city beautiful Orlando, Florida. Today is July the 6th, 2017. This is the week of July 4th. I hope you all had a good July 4th. I certainly did. It was quite restful. It was our country's birthday. And anyway, as you know, I, my show is a unique blend of humor, opinion, do some storytelling, and I give the information. But I will never provide you with fake news, but I will sometimes make you laugh out loud at my true news stories about dumb criminals. Today I have a good show lined up for you. I've got some new dumb criminal stories that I've been working on. I have a story that pays homage to Francis Scott Keyes, the fellow who wrote our national anthem. I want to talk a little bit about what people earn. There's been a report on that. I have some news tidbits and some riddles. So let's get started. Now, I, I say that I want to do some dumb criminal stories, but before that, I have to tell you that today, that is July 6, 2017, is National Fried Chicken Day. Did you know that? This is the day you should eat some fried chicken. Here's some facts about National Fried Chicken Day. Perhaps you knew this. Scottish immigrants brought their tradition of deep-frying chicken in fat to the southern United States when we were colonies. Fried chicken is a dish that consists of chicken pieces which have been floured and battered. Fried chicken consists of being pan-fried, deep-fried, or even pressure-fried. Traditionally, the chicken was cooked or fried in lard. Now, Africans brought over on the slave trade became cooks in many southern households in the early part of our country, and they incorporated seasonings and spices that were absent in traditional Scottish cuisine, enriching the flavor of the chicken. Since fried chicken traveled well in hot weather before re refrigeration was commonplace, fried chicken gained further favor. In Asia... They have their own version of the dish called crispy fried chicken, a standard dish in Cantonese cuisine of southern China and Hong Kong. Korea, they fry chicken. They call it seasoned chicken, and it's traditionally eaten as fast food at bars or as an after-meal snack in Korea. The facts that I have is that the best size of chicken to fry is called a four-pound fryer. In South Korea, chickens are relatively small, so Korean fried chickens uh, by, use whole chickens before hacking them into pieces. Now, that's probably more information you wanted to know about fried chicken. I hope you go out and have some today. I am told that KFC, that is Kentucky Fried Chicken, will have some specials on fried chicken and they encourage you listeners to buy a bucket of chicken and bring it back to your office and share it with your friends and mates. All right, let's move on. Now that I've got that out of my system, let's talk about some dumb criminal law stories that I've been working on this summer. These stories come from all over. 
I love doing them. This is part of my hobby. As a law professor, I write about serious legal things, but I have fun collecting these stories. You can find some of my stories on my blog. That's www.birdsongslaw.com, all one word. But let's start with a story from Pennsylvania. The headline read, quote, His lawyer was lousy and drowsy, end quote. James Nasita, a Pittsburgh businessman convicted of mortgage fraud, has won a new trial. It appears that Nasita's lawyer, Stan Levinston, wasn't functioning as counsel. Why? Because he was seen sleeping throughout parts of Nasita's October trial. A federal judge has recently ruled that uh, Nasita will now get a new trial. Your lawyer shouldn't be lousy and drowsy. South Carolina. This is a Mother's Day story. The headline. We now know why he prefers grandma. A Spartanburg, South Carolina mother was arrested on this Mother's Day for child cruelty after she repeatedly slapped her young son in the face. The mother, Chantrell Murphy, who's 30 years old, became enraged after she learned that her son had made a Mother's Day card for his grandmother, but not one for her. Bad mother. We now know why he prefers grandma. All right, it's not that funny. It's not that funny. All right, let's move on here. There's some more stories. This one comes from the United Kingdom. That's England. The headline read, Justice for Bessie? British police have launched a manhunt for a pervert seen, quote, committing a sexual act, end quote, on a cow in Herefordshire early one Saturday in May. Police are searching by helicopter and asking the public for leads. So if anyone in the United Kingdom knows about this, get in touch with the police. We need justice for Bessie. Back to the United States, Vermont. The headline. This mother is in hock to her daughter, Big League. It's been reported by police that a seven-year-old girl in the town of Plainfield, Vermont, ran up huge credit card bills after her mother, Jessica Lavoie, 28, obtained several charge cards using the child's name. Police have charged Lavoie with false impersonation. Yep, I guess so. Bad mommy. All right, okay. Let's move on. Okay. Let's move on to Wisconsin. The headline read for this story, the schlong and short of it. The schlong and short of it. A man arguing with his wife over watching Internet pornography threatened to shoot off his own penis, according to police. Quote, if I'm not using it, I might as well shoot it off, said Robert Ahorner, 57, of the town of East Troy, Wisconsin. Now, according to police... A Horner went into another room, fired four shots from his handgun into a wall to scare his wife. The wife was scared. She called police, and he was promptly arrested for reckless use of a firearm. But no, he did not shoot off his penis. Thank heavens. Arizona. 
These stories never go away. But the story headline reads, Here Today, Gone Tomorrow. We learn that the Arizona State Department of Health Services report that its newborn screening program gathered addresses, birth dates, health insurance records, names, phone numbers, and social security numbers for 2,500 newborn babies over the last two or three years. All this information was boxed up, but the box somehow got lost in the mail. Oops. Wonder who found that box and what are they going to do with it? Well, I don't know if that's funny at all. Here's a story from Canada. The headline reads simply, Rubber Ducky. A giant rubber duck will now float in Toronto's waterfront this summer, ruffling the feathers of many. The six-story high $120,000 duck is, quote, an absurd waste of taxpayer dollars, said Rick Nicholas, a member of the or- of the the uh, Ontario Parliament, who also called the plan, quote, an ax, an absolute cluster duck, end quote, an absolute cluster duck. <laughs> Rubber ducky. All right. Let's see. What else do I have here? I've got some other stories. This one from Alabama. Headline unsuccessful escape question mark it appears that a would-be truck thief made a really slow escape in june because he didn't know how to handle a manual transmission randy vert 29 led police on a 16 mile chase at speeds that never topped 30 miles per hour according to the police quote thank god he couldn't find second gear the sheriff's deputy randy christian deadpanned uh, when ch- the chase was over and an arrest of Vert had been made. Arkansas. It's quite a simple request. Why can't people follow it? Managers of the Craighead County Courthouse in Arkansas have posted a simple request for visitors. It says, quote, please stop urinating in the elevator, end quote. It appears that a steady stream of culprits have been relieving themselves in the Jonesboro Building's elevator for years, even though there is a restroom just 25 feet away, say 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 maintenance workers. I don't know why I can't get that out. Maybe these are people who are unhappy with what happened to them in court. They relieved themselves in the elevator even though there's a restroom just 25 feet away. Now, here's a short but, I think, odd story from China. The headline reads simply, Someone Failed Potty Training. The story. Firefighters in Guangzhou, that's China, had to work for six hours to rescue a woman whose foot got stuck in a toilet. Luckily, she was not injured. She's now safe, and foot is out of the toilet. 
The headline again, Someone Failed Potty Training. <laughs> all right, this may not be the last one, but finally, hey, wait a minute, you don't have to do all of that. You don't have to, it wasn't that funny. All right, this story came, this next story comes from Florida. A lot of my stories come from Florida. The headline, can I get this headline out without laughing? The headline just said, butt lift surgery, question mark. The city of Gainesville, Florida, says that it's gotten to the bottom of an employee's alleged embezzlement. Investigators claim that Natwana Clark, 33, stole $93,000 from the city of Gainesville and used $8,500 of it for a butt lift cosmetic surgery. Clark was fired and has pleaded not guilty to larceny and a scheme to defraud. Butt lift surgery. My God, how desperate are some people to get their butt lifted by surgery? All right, story from Alaska. The headline, Sex in the City? Hmm. We learned that the state of Alaska is considering legislation that will specifically declare that sex between police and prostitutes is illegal. And the police are not happy about the legislation. Officers say the proposals are offensive because existing statutes and common sense are enough. However, there are some very, very limited circumstances when an undercover officer might use, might need to use some sexual contact as Part of a probe, said Anchorage Police Department Chief Sean Case. Sex and the city. Hmm. Well, folks, those are your dumb criminal law stories for this week. These stories never go away. I'll be back with more of them. I want you to stick with me. We're going to be talking about a story that I have for you about Francis Scott Key, who wrote our national anthem. You may know the story, but I think it's a good thing to do on... Uh, the week of July 4th. Stick with us. This is Leonard Birdsong on Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and Consumer Debt Counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to ConsumerDebtCounselors.org slash Birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. 
Although he's been involved in serious criminal law work over the years as a prosecutor, a defense attorney, and a law professor, Leonard Birdsong knows that it's good to stay grounded. That means not always taking criminal law so seriously and instead just having a good laugh at some dumb criminals and their dumber crimes. Several years ago, he began to collect and compile weird and funny criminal law stories. He shares some of them weekly on his TalkZone Internet radio program. And now you can read more of them yourself in one of his 14 humor books. He has two book series, Professor Birdsong's Dumbest Criminal Law Stories and Professor Birdsong's Weird Criminal Law Stories. They're available for purchase in either paperback or Kindle edition by going to the author link on the homepage at leonardbirdsong.com. Leonard knows that you'll get a few good laughs or at least a few chuckles from his collections of dumb and weird criminal law stories. Check them out for yourself by going to the author link at leonardbirdsong.com. Welcome back to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Yeah, this is Leonard Birdsong back with you, and I'm looking for my story on Francis Scott Key that I wanted to tell you about. This is the kind of story that we need to talk about during this week of July the 4th. Now, let me see. Let me see if I can put my hands on it. Well, we may have to come back to this story, folks. I'm sorry. We'll do something else right now. Let us, before I come back with the Francis Scott Key story, let me go into some things I found out about what people earn. I don't know if any of you read Parade Magazine. It comes out several times a year here in newspapers and sometimes on newsstands. They do an annual thing about what people earn. It's an annual report that they put out. I'm going to talk about some of the people here and what they earn, and why don't you compare it with what you earn. Let's see now. Let's talk about someone who is not a celebrity, but she's a chef. Her name is Jane, Jennifer Hill Booker. She's 41 years old. She's a chef, a chef and a cookbook author. She makes $57,700 a year. There's a day laborer by the name of Francisco Montejo Quinones. He's also uh, a, a day laborer. He makes $10,400 a year. He's 57 years old. Then we go to Robert A. Iger. He's 66 years old, and you might know that he is the chief executive officer of the Walt Disney Company. What is his income? $43.5 million a year. How does that, how does that match up with what you make? We have a wig maker. Her name is Keisha Credit. She's only 26 years old. She makes $155,000 a year as a wig maker. I didn't know they still had wig makers. Now let's move on to some celebrities. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he's 44 years old. It's estimated that his income for the past year, that is 2016, was $64 million. He was the highest paid actor of 2016. 
Melissa McCarthy, who's 46, she made an estimated $33 million as an actor in 2016. And Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's 37 years old, who wrote and created the musical uh, Hamilton, made $6.4 million last year in 2016. Now, again, maybe being a sports person or an actor will bring you money. Most people can't do it. However, Cam Newton, who went to the Super Bowl this past year, he's an NFL quarterback and he does a lot of commercials, made an estimated $53.1 million in 2016. Sean Spicer, we all know Sean Spicer. He's the White House press secretary. He does many of the White House briefings. How much does Sean Spicer make? $176,461 per year. Now, that's a pretty good income. It's my understanding that the highest paid people in the White House, the top salary is 179000 However, I've also found that there's a wage gap for women and men in the White House. Women who work at the Trump White House are earning less than their male colleagues, an average of 80 cents to every dollar, according to a report sent to Congress. Uh, an analysis of the data reveals that um, the salary of a male White House staffer is nearly, or the average salary of a male White House staffer is nearly $104,000, while their female counterparts make an average of $83,000. Of the 22 staffers making the top salary for permanent employees of the White House, I said that was 179000 only six are women. A White House official said women of equal rank are paid as much as men under President Trump's, citing Obama's administration's press secretary, Josh Ernest. Ernest set the standard for how to judge the White House male-female pay equity. When there are women in senior positions, they're paid the same as their counterparts, the official said. In 2016, female staffers in the Obama administration earned about 89 cents on the dollar compared to the male counterparts. I don't think that's good. I hope that they can change this. I believe that men and women should make an equal amount. Well, I've told you about some people and their salaries. I don't know how yours matched up. I'm not going to tell you what mine is. It's pretty good, but it ain't anywhere near Cam Newton or Dwayne Johnson. But life ain't bad. Let's look at some other people. Now, there's a lady by the name of Paula Hackenast, she's 30 years old. She lives in Chicago. She's a makeup artist, and she makes $65,000 a year. She says that making women feel good about themselves and the way they look is important to me. There's a fellow in Baltimore. His name is James Patricio. Patricio. He's 51. He's a professional poker dealer. He makes $50,000 a year. He says, I deal poker at the Horseshoe Casino. And I like the tips. I guess you do, James. Uh, going down the list, Beth Woodard is 50 years old. She lives in Greenwood, North Carolina. She's a Lutheran minister and a nursing home chaplain. Guess her salary? It's $44,600 a year. Let's move to politics. Represent 
Representative John Lewis, that is a congressman who's 77 from Atlanta. He makes a congressional salary of $174,000 a year. Let's go to Amy Schumer. You all know her. She is a comedian. She lives in New York. Her estimated take for last year was $17 million. Hmm. Jimmy Kimmel, who has a late night show. He's a TV host. Is that estimated that he made 13, between 13 and $15 million in 2016? Coming back down to earth. We have a fellow by the name of Seth Seamus. He's 28. He lives in Modesto, California. He's a high school history teacher. He makes $72,107. He made this back in 2016. He says he teaches 10th grade and 11th grade United States history, and he hopes to have a positive impact on students and help them realize their true potential. The list goes on and on. I can't tell you everyone on the list, but this gives you an idea. There are some people who make a lot of money in the United States and some people who do not. Here's a woman from Little Egg Harbor in New Jersey. Mary A. Laney is her name. She's 57. She is a chief radiologic technologist in a hospital. She makes $64,000 a year. On the other side, we have a Sheriff, a deputy sheriff, and a detective. Her name is Nancy Finley. She's only 37. She makes $69,000 a year, but she loves her job. Megan Kelly, who just left Fox News and came over to um, NBC, it's estimated that her salary was between, or what she made for 2016 is estimated to be between 10 to 12 million. Wow. She's a news anchor. There's a 66-year-old fellow by the name of Tim Ranstad. He's a mountain safety host. He only makes $1,637 a year. I think he's retired, but he loves what he does. We have Thomas Baymeyer, who's 44. He lives in Plano, Texas. He's a food truck owner, and he makes $85,000 a year. Finally, Jason Aaron Baca, 43. He lives in Los Gatos, California. Los Gatos means the cats, I guess, in Spanish. He's a romance novel cover model. Jason Aaron Baca. He made $40,000 last year as a romance novel cover model. Baca has graced over 500 covers of romantic reads, even more than super hunk Fabio, can you imagine that? All right, so we've looked at some of what people make. I don't know how it stacks up with you, but it looks like if you really want to bring in the bucks, you need to be either in entertainment or in professional sports. I hope you like the list. They put it out every year. I think it's interesting. I make more than some of these and not as much as some of them, but I'm still out there churning it out. I hope things are going well for you. I hope you found that interesting. I hope you eat some fried chicken because this is National Fried Chicken Day. I'll be back with you. Stick with me. I have more information here at Leonard Birdsong Radio for you today. This is Leonard Birdsong on Leonard Birdsong Radio. 
Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and Consumer Debt Counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to ConsumerDebtCounselors.org slash Birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. Now back to Professor Birdsong for more Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Yep, Leonard Burtzong back with you. Today is July the 6th, 2017. This is the week of the 4th of July. I had a good 4th of July. I hope you did too. I want to talk about a lawyer. I am a lawyer, and I, I like to talk about lawyers who've done things. There was a lawyer once named Francis Scott Key. He wrote a song that you've all heard of. It's our song. It's the national anthem. We go to ball games and church services and we hear and sing the song. The words of that song flow across our minds and lips and we don't even realize what we're singing or exactly what the words truly mean. Francis Scott Key was a lawyer in Baltimore. And back in September of uh, 1814, the, con- the, the United States was in conflict with England and uh, this was the War of 1812, folks. It ended in 1814, but started in 1812. Now, during this con- time, due to the conflict, that is the War of 1812, prisoners had been accumulated on both the American and British sides. The American government went to the British and asked them to negotiate the release of their prisoners on both sides. The uh, prisoners were being held in boats off the coast near Baltimore, and the Americans asked if they could send a man out to negotiate the exchange. Francis Scott Key was the lawyer that was sent out to the boat to negotiate the mutual release. Francis Scott Key, happy with the outcome of his negotiations, went down to the cargo hole where the prisoners were being held, With a cargo bay full of prisoners before him, he told them that he had good news. He told the men that they would soon be once again free. Francis Scott Key returned to the top deck, this was the British ship, to finalize their detail when he was told by the British admiral that there was a small problem. The admiral told Key uh, that uh, they would still honor their agreement, but it would only be academic. You see, the British had given the the new United States an ultimatum. The ultimatum was simply that they must surrender and lower their flag or the 200 ships on the horizon, that is the British ships, would wipe Fort Henry, this is where the prisoners were held, off the map with their firepower. 
Key informed the Admiral, the Admiral that Fort McHenry was predominantly not a military fort anymore, but was full of women and children. The British Admiral replied that they had been given a way out. Standing in the middle of Fort McHenry was a flagpole flying a huge American flag. The British Admiral told Key that if the Americans in the fort would lower that flag, the shelling would immediately stop, and they would then be again under British rule. As twilight began to fall, and with a haze over the bay, the British unleashed their cannon fire. Francis Scott Key described it as one continuous boom as the numerous cannons fired relentlessly at Fort McHenry. Key retreated to the cargo bay to find the men praying for the people at Fort Henry. They asked Key to keep them informed on where the flag was. Three hours into the shelling, you could still see the flag flying and being eliminated with each explosion of the cannons. The British admiral came to Key and asked, what's wrong with these people? They faced an impossible situation, and they couldn't see it. Key replied, that George Washington had once proclaimed that the only thing that set the Americans apart from anyone else in the world was that they would die on their feet before they would live on their knees. The British Admiral informed Key that all of their ships, or all of his ships rather, will concentrate their shelling on the flag itself. If the Americans wouldn't take it down, they would remove it themselves. The the, uh, British Admiral continued his assault throughout the night and continued to focus on the flag. As the morning came, the rampart was still tall enough that you could see the flag flying in the morning light. Although torn and shredded and attached to a now-leaning flagpole, the flag still flew proudly above Fort McHenry. Francis Scott Key boarded a vessel and went straight to the fort to see the devastation. Upon arriving, Key learned just how the flag remained throughout the relentless shelling. The men of Fort Henry, knowing what it meant for the flag to fall, had physically held the flag up through the night, even though they knew the target of each cannon fire was focused on the flag. The leaning flagpole was supported by the piled bodies of those who had given their lives to make sure It did not fall. That night inspired Francis Scott Key to write our national anthem. Francis Scott Key wrote, Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we held at the twilight's last gleaming. For the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave. The debt had been demanded and the price it was paid. From those words and for those that gave their life so selflessly that night, our national anthem was written and represents our country today. Although the words were written by the American Francis Scott Key, the tune was a British tune that Francis Key used to, to the music. This story was written by a fellow by the name of Robert Serganor 
and I think it's appropriate for this week. I have sang the national anthem, and perhaps not well, but at our Barry Law School graduations on a number of occasions, I've been asked to sing the national anthem. It's a very hard song to sing and get it right, but it carries words that we should be proud of. So that's the story of Francis Scott Key that shows you what lawyers can get themselves into. I'm proud to have been a lawyer for many years. I noted in the paper that NPR, that's National Public Radio, every year for the last few years, I think the last 20 years or so, they've been broadcasting the Declaration of Independence on the 4th of July. And they did it this past Tuesday, which was the 4th of July. But not just did they have people read it on the radio, they also sent out for the first time the Declaration of Independence on Twitter. They they tweeted all the lines to everyone who had Twitter or was on their Twitter feed, and a lot of people were unhappy about it because they thought that this was some propaganda against Donald Trump. They didn't know these were the words to the Declaration of Independence of the United States. At any rate, they called, many people called and wrote the station. Many of them ended up with egg on their face when they found out this was the document that was written and adopted by the Continental Congress on July 4th, 1776. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but I'm going to read some of the words. So if you see it tweeted to you or if you listen to NPR radio, you will know we're talking about the Declaration of Independence. It starts with, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assure among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold that these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among those or among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governor governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect the safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be charged for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils, evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. And it goes on and on, folks. Most people never read or never know what the Declaration of Independence says, but it was a very powerful document written in 1776. Most of it was drafted by Thomas Jefferson, although there were many edits to the the document. 
I think the lines that were riled up the Trump people were the following. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpation, all having indirect object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance, unless suspended in their operation till his assent shall be obtained. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people, unless these people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the dispository of the public records. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly fitness his invasions on the rights of the people. And it goes on and on. At any rate, we're not talking about Trump here. This was Thomas Jefferson talking about King George III of England. The Declaration of Independence has endured. Thank heavens it was written. This is Leonard Birdsong. Stick with me. I have some news tidbits coming up for you. This is Leonard Birdsong Radio. We're on Talk Zone. This is July 4th, a week. Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and Consumer Debt Counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to ConsumerDebtCounselors.org slash birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. Are you considering law school? Then you probably have tons of questions about the application process, the admissions process, the benefits of a legal career, and what it takes to succeed in law school. You'll find the answers to these questions and more in Professor Birdsong's Law School Guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Inside, you'll find helpful chapters on the history of the lawyer, why you should apply to law school, things you need to know about applying, and more. You have the ability and the drive. Now, get the advice that will guide you into the legal profession by helping you successfully submit your application to the law school of your choice. Professor Birdsong's award-winning Law School Guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Available for purchase on Amazon.com or through the author link at LeonardBirdsong.com. You're listening to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Here's Professor Birdsong. 
Yes, folks, I am back with you. Glad to be here on TalkZone.com. I've been bringing you some information and some things that uh, maybe you didn't know, some things that you do know, some things you didn't want to hear, and things you did want to hear. Some of it was funny. Some of it was true. All right. I have some new news tidbits here that I'd like to go over for you. I collect these as a hobby also. They're things in the news that most people may not see, but since I'm a student of reading newspapers, I find these and I want to share them. This is a, or this information came from the Pew Research Center. It was a study of how Americans rank the most historical events of their lifetime. Now, some of you may wonder how they came up with this list. Well, they talked to a number of people across the nation. The number one historical event of people's lifetime was September 11th. That's when terrorists actually attacked our country. Most people note that as the number one historical event of their lifetime. Number two was the election of Barack Obama as president of the United States, the first African-American to be elected president of the United States. The third rate, the third highest rated historical event of people's lifetime is called the tech or the technology revolution. The fourth is the JFK assassination. I'm old enough to remember when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Many of you were probably too young, but most of us remember where we were when we heard the news that John F. Kennedy had been assassinated. Number five on the list, the Vietnam War. Yes, I do remember that. And number six, the Iraq-Afghan Wars. It started in 2001 and 2003. Number seven on the list of uh, the most historical events of their lifetime was, number seven was the moon landing. Number eight was the fall of the Berlin Wall and the end of the Cold War. Number nine, the Supreme Court saying that gay marriage is constitutional. And believe it or not, number 10, the Pulse shooting of Orla in Orlando last year was one of the most historical events of people's lifetime. So there's the list, 1 through 10. Americans rank the most historical events of their lifetimes. Let's move on. A news tidbit from South Korea. The headline read, and it's a sort of a funny one, this idea quacked. South Korean researchers want to replace car horns with the sound of ducks quacking. Why is that? Noise pollution researchers at the Sung's Seal University in Seoul ask 100 participants to rate honking sounds based on their attention-grabbing and calming qualities. They found the quacking noise best alerts people to danger without creating stress. <laughs> quack, quack, huh? All right. Here's one from England. The headline, God Save the Queen from Whiplash. A British citizen called police to report that Queen Elizabeth II failed to buckle her seatbelt while traveling to the United Kingdom Parliament. Drivers and passengers are required to wear seatbelts in the United Kingdom, but the Queen is immune from criminal proceedings. God save the queen from whiplash. <laughs> That's pretty good. Talking about, well, this no has nothing to do with whiplash. This one has to do with marriage. The headline read, 
Marriage is going to the dogs. A New York City reverend is on a mission to legitimize what are called pet weddings. That's pet weddings, claiming the ceremonies make breeding more sacred. Reverend Lori Sue Brockway, who officiates for dogs and cats, recommends buying accessories. Nope. Nope. Reverend Lori Sue Brockway, who officiates for dogs and cats, recommends buying bridal outfits and accessories for the furry lovebirds. Oh, my. Another news tidbit. The headline, Monster... Nope. Mobster free at 100. Not monster. Mobster free at 100. Headline story. The story. He's the wisest guy of them all. A reputed Colombo crime family underboss reported to be the oldest inmate in the federal prison system has been released at the age of 100. This was done just this past month in June. John Sonny Francese left the Federal Medical Center in Devons, Massachusetts in a wheelchair just before noon in June, uh, uh, one Friday in June. He was serving a 50-year sentence for bank robbery. His son, Michael, says the elder man is planning to live with his daughter in Brooklyn. The newspaper reports Francis was allegedly involved in loan sharking and extortion. The U.S. Bureau of Prisons records show he was paroled at least six times since 1967, but each time ended up back in prison for parole uh, violations. The last time was in 2010 when he was caught shaking down strip clubs and a pizzeria. <laughs> he was almost 100 years old then. Well, mobster freed at 100. How about this one? This one, this news tidbit comes from South Africa. South Africa's most famous ultra-marathon runner was repeatedly mugged at, going, at gunpoint while jogging. His name, Bruce Fortis, was robbed of his shoes and watched by two men who pulled up next to him in a car and pointed guns at him in the Johannesburg suburb of Westcliff, according to news reports on Friday. That's last Friday, as a matter of fact. The South Africa Times newspaper quotes Fortis of saying the muggers were welcome to his old shoes, noting they had done about a 1,000 kilometers and smelled like camembert. He told the Times he returned home after the mugging to get another pair of shoes and then completed his early morning run. The headline, Robber Ru Ru Runner Robbed of Stinky Shoes. <laughs> Runner Robbed of Stinky Shoes. Interesting, huh? All right, for those of you who are planning on going to France this summer, you want to have this information. The headline, Awful Eiffel Price Hike. More like Eiffel Sour starts the story. The digital age has ruined yet another old world charm, a quick trip up to Paris's iconic Eiffel Tower. The Sunday Times of London reported this. Now, 80% of all tickets to get up to the Eiffel Tower will be sold online, and on-the-spot purchases will cost about $9 more, increasing from roughly $19 to $28. It's still below the average price of monuments worldwide, like the 
Tire State Building, said Deputy Mayor of Paris, Jean-Francois Martin, who's in charge of tourism for the city. The historic steel tower will undergo a 33, no, $333 million renovation over the next 15 years. If you haven't been up in the Eiffel Tower, it's something to do. I've been up there a couple of times. Beautiful view. All right. Here's one from Florida. We always have some stories from Florida. Months in jail for no cane, says the headline. A Florida man spent 90 days in jail after police officers who stopped him for driving without headlights said white powder found in his car was cocaine. How long, how often have we heard that story? But Carlos Cash walked out of jail last week after lab results determined the powder in the handyman's car was actually drywall. <laughs> Cash tells the TV station, that is a local Orlando station, he repeatedly told officers in Oviedo, that's just outside of Orlando, the substance was drywall, but the police ran a check on him and found he was on probation for marijuana and cocaine charges in 2015, so they kept him in jail for 90 days. Oh, that's bad. At glass, he's out now. All right, those are the news tidbits I have, some of them funny, some of them interesting. You're going to have to buy your tickets for the um, Eiffel Tower online unless you want to pay full price. The price is going up. Let's end our story today with some riddles. I always like these riddles here. Have you heard this one? What do elves make sandwiches with? Yes, what do elves make sandwiches with? What do you think? Well, elves make their sandwiches with shortbread. <laughs> All right. Here's another one. What do you call a pecan in a spacesuit? What do you call a pecan in a spacesuit? You call him an astronaut. All right, it's not that funny. Couple more. Think about these. I'll let you think about them. What kind of beans never grow in gardens? What kind of beans never grow in gardens? Think about it. It's not that difficult. Put your thinking caps on. What kind of beans never grow in gardens? The answer is, of course, jelly beans. The last Riddle of the day. Think about this one. Why are rock stars so cool? Why are rock stars so cool? Tell me. Well, the answer, rock stars are so cool because they have lots of fans. Of course, that's the, the answer. All right, you've been listening to Leonard Birdsong Radio here on Tox, Talk Zone. I'm here every Thursday from 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 2 p.m. I have some information for you. I have some dumb criminal law stories for you. I have news tidbits. I have things that make your life interesting. Today is National Fried Chicken Day. I know I'm going to get my fried chicken this evening, and I suggest that you do too. I've heard that KFC, that is Kentucky Fried Chicken, may have some sales on. At any rate, I hope you enjoy your chicken, and I hope you enjoy your e evening. Come back and listen to me next week. 
You can listen to me 24-7 because this is Internet radio, but if you can listen to me live, it's even better. But you can get me 24 hours, 24 hours, seven days a week on TalkZone.com, or you can go to my blog and read some of my dumb criminal law stories. That's uh, birdsongslaw.com, www.birdsongslaw.com. You can see my stories for free. And you can go to my website, leonardbirdsong.com, and buy some of my books. I'll be back with you next week, folks. Thanks for sticking with me. I love being with you, and I'll talk to you soon. This is Leonard Birdsong Radio signing off.